can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let's do our memory verse, Philippians 2, 3. Let's stand in honor of God's Word as we share it together. Ready? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Grab your neighbor, give them a big hug and a pat on the back, and if they don't have a neighbor, go find them. Go, go make them one. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. <laughs> All right, you may be seated. <clears throat> it's good to have Sam and Vanessa back from their excursion into the Caribbean warmth. Pretty down there and he doesn't look tan. He's... Oh, see the tan. Okay, yeah. That's that's. I don't tan. I just blister. Yeah. If I don't have a hat on, I'm in trouble. <clears throat> Many years ago, a shabbily dressed boy trudged several miles through the snowy streets of Chicago, determined to attend a Bible class that was being led by Dr. Dwight L. Moody. And when he arrived, he was asked, why did you come to a Sunday school so far away? Why didn't you go to one of the churches near your home? And the boy simply said, because you love a fellow over here. And that's all I want to talk to you about today. Uh, We're kind of in between series. I'm going to start another one on Matthew. We're going to go for eight weeks in the book of Matthew starting next Sunday. But being February and just finished Valentine's Day and it's kind of the love month, I thought we would do hugs and kisses, the love uh, relationships in the church, love relationships in the church, and uh, just kind of give you a a standalone message today uh, on love and what love means and how God wants us to love. And God wants us to love in the church. He wants us to care about each other in the church. And we need to ask ourselves, do other people know that we love them? When someone walks in the door of our church, do they know that they're loved and cared about? And if if not, why not? And if yes, how? How are we doing that? Well, we do the hug and howdy. We welcome them. We hug them. And then we say howdy. (laughs) But we do that. And we try to love them. What are other ways we can love them? You know, I don't want you to answer out loud, but what are some other ways that we can, lo- we can love people and make sure that they uh, know that they're loved? Because the greatest need of us as human beings is to be loved. Is that true? How about that in your life? You want to be loved, don't you? Sure. We want to walk in the door and have a loving response. You don't want to walk in the door and they go, oh, boy, they're here. (laughs) That's my dogs who do that. Oh, he's here. No, they're at the door just wagging that tail going like, you know, I mean, animals are just that way, aren't they? They just, they love you no matter if you yell at them or whatever. They're just going to come back and love you. 
Mark and Amy have a have a pretty good sized dog and much bigger than the one Cindy and I have. We have a little bitty one. Um, and uh, this big dog thinks he's a lap dog. So when I get sit down in the recliner, he walks over and then starts to climb up in my lap and puts his head on my shoulder. I mean, I've got this all this dog just from knees up to, uh, and he just looks up at me, you know, because he thinks he's a little bitty dog. But boy, I, you know, just just the gyrations and uh, just can't be more overjoyed to see us. And whenever we come in the door, it's awesome. And we ought to be that way. We ought to be overjoyed when we see somebody come through the door of our church. Amen? We ought to just be so glad to see them and, and so accommodating for them. Today I want to be in the book of Mark, chapter 12. So if you have those Bibles or your electronic device with your Bible on it, would you turn to Mark, chapter 12. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Mark. Mark, chapter 12. Now, for those of you that... Don't know, that's, that's not true. Uh, Mark is in the uh, New Testament. Mark chapter 12, we're going to be at verse, uh, starting at verse 28 and through verse 34. I want to read those uh, to you. You follow along in your Bible, if you don't mind. Starting at verse 28, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important are, uh, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord our God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Verse 31. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself, there is no commandment greater than these. Well, well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Verse 34. When Jesus saw that He had answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. I think that's an interesting way to close that little section out. The greatest commandment. What is it? Well, Jesus gave us an answer. There's two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those two statements cover the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses on the tablets on Mount Sinai. They sum up. The first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, covers the first five. Love your neighbor as yourself covers the second five. Do you know that? Well, you do now. Somebody has said that, uh, in fact, Andy Stanley uh, has said, um, and I'm sure he's been taken out of context. That's, it just doesn't sound like him, but he's been attributed this, that uh, the Old Testament is not important for Christians today. And I, I just can't believe that he would believe that. Because the principles of the commandments, the Ten Commandments, are still there. Those principles are still alive today. 
If we would but follow those, you know, I mean, has, has adultery gone out of style? No. Has coveting gone out of style? No. Is serving God more than anybody else gone out of style? No. All those are they're still principles that we should be living by. Jesus encountered opposition, did he not? But in the midst of the opposition, he learned to love. The opposition came from Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes. Uh, the Pharisees, along with the Herodians, tested him about taxation. The Sadducees tested him about the resurrection. Scribes tested him about the interpretation of Scripture. But in our passage today, I want to, I want to give you four takeaways that, that I want you to, to have and, and, and take away from. Number one is a scribe asked an important question to him. Let's look again at verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard him debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? See, the scribe was glad that Jesus affirmed the resurrection, which the scribes taught about. The scribes were the teachers of the law. They were the theologians during the time of Jesus. Uh, the theologians are the ones who have these profound answers to give. Uh, about anything in life. And uh, the Jews held Moses in high esteem. And so anything that was quoted from the law of Moses carried some weight. If Jesus would go against Moses' law, then he could be criticized and labeled a heretic. But the scribe's question and response are sincere. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-five. It's a parallel passage, and it reveals that even the scribe wanted to test Jesus. But during Jesus' time, Jews had a tendency to do two things. One, they would add countless rules and regulations and expand the law. And on the other hand, they also discussed as to what was the essence of the law. So let's just talk it to death. Let's don't follow it. Let's just talk it to death. That sounds a lot like us today, doesn't it? God says, I want you to do this. And we go, well, but there's, there's got to be at least four or five ways we can do that, God. I don't need to do it that way. I'll just do it this way. But God didn't say to do it the other way. He said, do it this way. And we need to be careful about that. We need to be very careful that we don't take things away from God than, and attribute it to tradition or whatever. You have to be very careful about that. Make sure the Word of God is backing up what you're doing and what you're saying. Because there is your truth. Amen? Scholars say that the law consists of 613 commandments, out of which 365 of them are negative, 248 of them are positive. David reduced these 613 commandments to 11 commandments in Psalm 15, verses 1 through 5. Micah reduced them to three commandments in Micah 6 and verse 8. So the scribes ask an important question. What is the most important commandment? Because they had so many that they had added. The Ten Commandments expanded to six hundred over 600. Wow. Sounds like the government, doesn't it? <laughs> Man, or your wife's to-do list. Second takeaway I want you to get here is in verses 29-31. Jesus responded to the scribe's question. Let's take again a look at those verses again. 29-31. through 31. 
The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's an important phrase. Underline that, highlight it, don't forget it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Instead of belittling the laws and giving prominence to others, Jesus defined the essence of the law. And he said, love God with everything. Love God with everything. He quotes Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 and 5. And he starts with the statement, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's a basic creed that all Judaism uses. Even to this day, they use it in the reading of Scripture. And they, they uh, it's called the Shema. It means hear. In Hebrew, it means hear. It's the first word of the sentence in the verse. These words are recited in the mornings and in the evening by the Jews. Every synagogue service began with that statement. Even today, they still do it. And so when Jesus quoted the commandment as the most important of all commandments, He was readily, uh, the Jews would readily agree with Him that that was the most important statement. And the Bible says that we have to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Four times Jesus used the phrase, all. Our love for God cannot be half-hearted. We've got to love God with everything, everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we possess. Luke chapter 14 and verse 26 says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. And I've heard people over the years say, man, that's, that's, a, that's a cruel God that would ask you to do that. What he's asking is for you to put him first. That's what he's asking. In a marriage, a Christian marriage between a husband and a wife, we always say, she goes before me. I, I prefer her. But what we need to say is I prefer God and then her. She would say I prefer God and then Him. We've got to put God up here at the front. Because if you have Him in the front, then you're gonna, your relationship is going to work right. That love is going to flow like it should flow. In uh, Psalm 97 and verse 10, it says, Hate evil, you who love the Lord. 1 Corinthians 8, 3 says, But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. God will know you if you love him right. And then contrast that to 1 Corinthians 16, 22, where it says, If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Wow. That's pretty strong. But we've got to love the Lord. We've got to love him. We can obey God without... Without loving, but when we truly love God, it's a natural uh, response to be obedient to Him because we love Him. Growing up as a kiddo, if you would have just listened to your mom and dad and done what they asked you to do, wouldn't life have been so much easier for you? But oh, no, 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 no. 
If you were like me, you could do it the hard way. That's when spankings would come. Back then, they could spank you and it'd be okay. You know, nowadays you get sued. Your parent gets sued. You know, kids will say, I'm going to sue you. Well, hey, listen, man, let me pack your bag and send you on down the road. My mother did that one time. I threatened to leave. She went and grabbed a suitcase, started putting stuff in it. I said, what are you doing? She said, well, you said you're leaving. <laughs> she got me. I stayed. Then, not only do we need to love God, but Jesus then goes on to say, in verse 31, that we need to love others as our self. There's nobody that you love more than the person you look at in the mirror. True? Amen? I'll hold on and let you catch up. Sure it is. Sure it is. So Jesus gave these two commandments, and when the scribe asked him as to what was the greatest, he gives these two statements. Love the Lord your God, and love your neighbors yourself. He goes on to quote Leviticus 19.18. and says that along with loving God, we must love our neighbors. As Leviticus 19.18 says, instead of carrying grudges or taking revenge against our neighbors... We're supposed to love them. Love them. All of you get along with your neighbors? Need to. Need to get along with them. It's all right. We all have fences around our yards, though, don't we? If we can afford them, we put put a fence up. Why? Because we want to mark our territory. We don't want you coming up. Don't want your dogs coming over and pottying in my backyard. Yeah, you got it. But many people carry grudges against each other. Some little thing happens and, and it just gets, over, over time, gets to be bigger than life. And it's sad. It's really sad. And it shouldn't be that way. There was a couple named Samya and Rima who got married in a city... Odisha. Five days after their wedding, they received a parcel as a wedding gift. When the couple opened the parcel, it exploded. Samya and his grandmother were killed with injuries. But when the police investigated the situation, they came to know that a college lecturer by the name of Penjalal Mayor planned this explosion. He was replaced by Somya's mother as the principal of a college. So, Punjalal wanted to take revenge and just wipe out the whole family. It took him seven to eight months to prepare this bomb through information that he found on the internet. Instead of taking revenge, God is calling us to love our neighbors. If they've done you wrong, you continue to do right by them. If we should get snow that needs to be shoveled, walk over and shovel their driveway. Or or their, their walk up to their house. Something that you can express love to them so you continue. Don't let the revenge get you because it's going to drive you into bitterness. Every time, push it aside, begin to love people, as, as we're told to. In Luke 10, 
Jesus defined a neighbor as anyone whom God brings in front of us. They're our neighbor. Even the guy that cuts you off in traffic. (laughs) That seems to be the one that gets you the most fired up, doesn't it? Because invariably, you're in a hurry as well. And what do they do? Cut right in front of you. And almost cause you to have an accident. But what's even more fun is if you kind of take your time and you're patient and you pray for them and all that stuff and grit your teeth and grin big and all that stuff, you still get right behind them at the stoplight <laughs> when they sped up to, to, to beat you. We can't love God without loving our neighbors. You can't fulfill one without fulfilling the other. You can't love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit and your neighbors yourself and hate them. Warren Worsby says that we have to live not by rules, but by relationships. Now, when I got married, I had a certain set of rules that I thought my wife ought to live by. By golly, by George. Did I change quickly? She's just a little bitty thing. She's just little. I thought, man, I'm this big old hulking looking guy. Tell her how it's going to be. <laughs> uh-huh. I was, waiting, I was waiting for a response. I'm going to move on. Romans 13, 8 and verse 10 says, Oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Romans 15, verses 1 and 2. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. Galatians 5, 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 1 John chapter 3. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Back up those words, I love you, with action. Cindy would never know I love her just by me telling her all the time. I need to show her I love her. I need to demonstrate that. Amen? And that's, that's the, the call of our message today. If you follow both these commandments, you would have followed all the commandments in Scripture. Luke 6.35 says this, But love your enemies and do good, and lend, and, and, and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. What are the implications of these two commandments that Jesus gave us? If we truly love God and others, we will be actively engaged in evangelism. If we truly love God and others, we will be quick to forgive. If we truly love others, we will help those in need. 
If we truly love God and others, we will bear others' burdens. Which takes me to our third takeaway in verses 32 and 33. Follow along with me. 32 and 33. Well, well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one, uh, is one and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. It's really comical that the scribe passes judgment on Jesus by saying, Well, you know, you're right, teacher. <laughs> How would you like to stand before Jesus and just, you know, correct him? I don't know if I would. But the scribe agrees that loving others is more important than all these religious ceremonies that we tend to go through. The scribe says that in context of Jesus cleansing the temple and before his announcement of the destruction of the temple, in chapter Mark chapter 13 and verse 2, but an interesting verse is in the Old Testament, First Samuel fifteen twenty two. It says, Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. See, God doesn't really care about the sacrifices. He cares more about our obedience, about our heart, about our disciplines. Are we truly, truly walking the walk that God's called us to? Hosea 6 and verse 6, For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Remember in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, they had to do offering after offering after offering just to find not even forgiveness. It was just the sins were pushed forward for a year. You kind of start over. Every January 1, you'd start over. But the sin load was still with you as you carried on from the past year and years beyond that. That's why it's so beautiful to know at the cross, all of that was forgiven. Amen? Burden was lifted. Whoop! Gone. Don't have anything trailing behind you anymore. Because Jesus paid the price once and for all. Which takes us to our last takeaway in verse 34. Where Jesus affirms this scribe. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask a question. Jesus saw that this scribe's answer was wise. And he affirmed him by saying, You're not far from the kingdom of God. He wasn't far. But how far was he? He didn't come under the rule of God completely, but he was very close. In order to be in the kingdom, it's not enough to agree with the teachings of Jesus. We must submit to those teachings. We can be born in a Christian family, come to church every week, hear powerful sermons every Sunday, serve the Lord, and still be far from the kingdom of God. We must submit to Christ Scribe had knowledge, but mere knowledge of the Word will not save you. Submission to God's Word saves you. Sincerity will not save you. Submission to Christ as your Lord will save you. After Jesus answered the questions of the opponents, He said, or it goes on to say that no one dared to ask Him any more questions. 
Some of you are not far from the kingdom, but you're not totally inside the kingdom either. You can be an inch away from heaven and still perish unless you submit to to your whole life to Christ and give it to Him and surrender. And so I guess the question should be and will be, what's holding you back from making that commitment and submitting to Christ? Let's live a life of love. Let's not hold grudges against others. Let's not withhold forgiveness toward others. Let us love. Let's ask God to pour out His love into our hearts as we then, through His Spirit, pour it out into other people's lives. Romans 5, 5 says this, And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I want you to leave here today with hope in your heart. Now the world around us is crumbling. Doing some crazy things. Decisions. Just, it's mind boggling, isn't it? What's going on today. But I want you to have hope. Because if you're in Christ, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You can relax and rest assured that He loves you. And cares for you. And hears you. And wants to love you and express that love for you. I've got a video I want you to see. And uh, then we'll be, we'll be uh, through with the message this morning. Great video. If you're still not saved, repent today. Give your life to Jesus today. Be baptized into Christ today. Let Christ have control of your life so that you can enjoy the benefits of that relationship. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that you give us. And I just pray, Father, that you will bless each and every person that's here. If there's one, God, today that needs to respond to you, uh, 
maybe they just need prayer. Uh, whatever it is, God, would you would you wrestle with their heart and uh, prick that heart? And would your spirit wrestle with them? And God, would they then respond? We pray that uh, you would move today. And it would be obvious that you've been here. And Father, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.